Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. Well, dear friends, this is a roundtable episode. What does that mean, Bench? Well, it means we are continuing the conversation from last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that. That will give you context for what we're talking about today. Jamie Freeman and a couple of friends that he's pulled in are going to go through that episode and kind of help to unpack it and flesh it out in different contexts. So this is your chance to go deeper and consider what these ideas might look like where you are. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast Roundtable Conversations. In the last episode, we heard Benj and Will chat with Ian about what it means to be a healthy church and did a bit of an autopsy on what a dying church is. And in our roundtable discussion today, I have with me Jenny and Amy. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So for our listeners, can you share briefly about your ministry and life context? Yes, my name is Jenny Casey. I'm um, a Baptist minister. I currently work for the Baptist Association in the area of accreditation and recognition of ministers. Um, I have a lot of years of working in churches, nearly 20 um, in various leadership roles and, yeah, now inputting into leaders of our association up and coming and established leaders. Okay, I'm Amy. Uh, I'm Chinese. Uh, technically, I am 1.5 gen Chinese immigrant. That means um, I was like raised in Australia. So I came from Hong Kong uh, and I was a pastor at a Chinese church and I ministered to first, second and greater generation Chinese people there. And I currently work part time at the Baptist Ministry Centre as well as the CMD administrator. And Amy, you're doing a bit of study. Do you want to share with us a bit about your study? Um, yes, I, I'm doing my PhD and my topic is on the faith formation of the children of Chinese immigrants from Hong Kong. So I'll be looking at how their faith is formed and um, I'm doing some initial research at the moment and then later on I'll be interviewing some um, second gen and also 1.5 gen uh, Chinese immigrants from Hong Kong. Wow, that's fantastic. You guys bring uh, a wealth of experience and perspective, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Do you want to share with me uh, what stood out to you in Ian's interview? I think for me... um comes back once again to how important relationship is in church and that whole question of conflict and that Ian was talking about when people have a depth in Christ and maturity in him, that it means that there's less conflict in their lives. And, yeah, I think thinking back on my own ministry experience, I, you start to remember <laughs> some of those people and realise that, yeah, that is a marker of a, a mature Christian. 
And for me, um, I think two things stood out for me, identity and relationship. Um, I might elaborate on the um, relationship a little bit more because um, it really stood out for me because, um, you know, working in a Chinese church previously, um, relationship can relationships can be really complicated uh, between the different generations and also uh, speaking different uh, languages, you know, Chinese and English. And plus on top of that, um, the older generation generally, um, I guess, I use the word demand, um, but I, they, they want respect. Um, so basically, so whereas if you're born here, sometimes you're a little bit more relaxed and sometimes you don't give the older people the res- respect that they expect. Uh, so face is a very important part of the relationship. And that, that just, um, Ian's interview just got me thinking about relationships and relationships in an in a immigrant church. This episode is sponsored by Baptist Financial Services. Invest with purpose. Find out more at bfs.org.au. I, uh, it really struck me when he was sharing a bit about um, the life cycle of a church being 50 years uh, from birth to death, unless something happens in that space. And, and I actually really loved Benja's comment about, you know, it's actually healthy for a church to have a life cycle. You know, all living things die. But I did wonder if, um, if with all the change that we see in the world happening now and the increasing pace of life, if actually that is still 50 years or if that changes. And I also wonder what that looks like in different types of churches, whether it's uh, rural, suburban, urban, multicultural or monocultural. What are your guys' thoughts on any of that? I think, uh, f- from what I've observed, I think, yeah, I've noticed that at fifty, at that around that fifty-year mark, seems to be a real turning point for churches. Uh, I, I suspect that things like COVID <laughs> have probably changed the face of that now, and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised in this fast-moving society that we live in, whether that will be shortened down over, you know, that we'll see these statistics change over time. Um, but certainly my experience has been that 50-year mark is very telling and churches either move on to the next big thing or they kind of move into that maintenance mode and, and yeah, decline. Yeah, that 50-year mark, that's actually very interesting. A few years ago, the church that I went to um, celebrated their 50th anniversary. Um, and I was thinking about that um, so for that church, that it was a, a Chinese church, quite a large Chinese church, uh, it actually hit is um, the uh, greatest number at about the forty mark. So the fortieth anniversary, they had you know close to a thousand people. Um, so by the fiftieth anniversary, they had about six hundred adults. Um, I mean, it's still a, a relatively, I guess, a large. Uh, church. So I was wondering about that life cycle for an immigrant church. 
And on reflection, I'm thinking, I think it's also affected by many factors, you know, for the um, number of immigrants. Uh, for example, because of the Tiananmen Square uh, during the 80s and the 90s, like 97, when Hong Kong was returned to China. So there was like particular spikes of immigrations at that point. And um, Chinese churches enjoy uh, influx of people and it grew and from only like 30 churches grew to like a, a hun- over 100 churches, Chinese churches in the greater Sydney. So I think that 50-year um, sort of cycle is affected by some of these uh, special factors. And now with the Hong Kong protest, um, it is likely that there might be also an influx of immigrants and which might affect the cycle again. So to a certain extent, these immigrant immigrant churches, they didn't have to work extra hard in order for that extra little bit of uh, growth to happen. Yeah. That's a really important point, Amy, I think. Just to reflect on migration patterns and how how that could impact the life cycle of a church. And yeah, that's really helpful. Thanks. Was... um. Anything else that stood out to you or, you know, reflected in your own experience that you guys wanted to to elaborate on or share? I was um, also thinking about what what a healthy church might look like and just reflecting on some of my experiences. Um, You know, after I left my previous church, I I spent some time sort of um, visiting different churches. Um, so I had some mixed experience with that. Um, some were very welcoming um, and some, I don't know, I, I didn't feel quite, I didn't feel I belong. Um, I think uh, mainly because I think I, I kind of stood out being a Chinese, even though I speak English. Uh, it's just, um, I don't know, there's just this sense of not belonging because uh, some of the churches I visited was uh, were predominantly white. Um, places where I feel, you know, more welcome or uh, a sense of belonging is, uh, you know, where there's other uh, different people there, you know, some um, maybe from other parts of Asia, some Indian, Sri Lankan and yeah, some Chinese. So that's just, yeah, some of my experience. And I, I, I really wonder what, what a healthy church might look like in, in our society, yeah. And I think, you know, we always say healthy churches should reflect the communities they're in. And yeah, if you're moving in multicultural areas and you are the only person of another ethnicity, there's an, an issue there. But certainly that welcoming thing, I've experienced that too, Amy. Um, not because of my ethnicity, but visited churches, sat, stood around afterwards, had a cup of tea when we could pre-COVID and left without anybody speaking to me. And I, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a serious question about the, the health of a church where people who visit are not welcome. I guess it's just um, standing on the other side, you know, being a visitor, being a guest, um, so I, it sort of really make me reflect. We have to, um, as church, you know, ministry leaders, uh, to make an effort to make people feel feel welcome, no matter you know where they're from and why they're visiting. So it's okay if they're only visiting once, um, just to to make them feel welcome and just to acknowledge, yeah, that they are there. Yeah, I think Jenny, your point about um, 
a church reflecting its community. And if you're in a community that is multicultural, then that really should be reflected within the church. And Amy, in light of those experiences that you shared, I was just thinking, uh, and the question that popped into my mind is, if you were to walk into a church community uh, that was multicultural, um, but the what you saw on the platform wasn't multicultural, uh, would that have an impact too? Oh, definitely, definitely. I would be looking for representation. So when I visit different churches, I would look look at representations of uh, female worship leaders as well. Um, and um, so that that's actually a very interesting question. So I would be looking for representation of other ethnicity up on this stage, whether um, there are representatives in the leadership and also, you know, just leading worship in leading roles in general. So would you guys go as far to say that diversity is a sign of health then in a church? Not just ethnic diversity, but generational diversity, um, gift diversity, and that actually it's, it's all of those different parts working together, helping one another grow that is actually a sign of health? I do believe so because I believe that an embracing of every part of the body is a sign of health. And, yeah, I think when there's inclusion and I all ages, all <laughs> everything, you know, right down to, you know, listening to the children and having giving them a voice, that stuff's really important. It says that we value one another and that everybody has a say, everybody has a place. Yeah, that's a that's actually a great point. Um, but uh, as a pastor of a Chinese church previously, I, I wonder how that plays out as well. Um, I guess mainly in the English congregation. Um, and um, a few years ago, we uh, started to bring in um, like younger people to lead worship. Um, so that's been a very interesting exercise for the older people to, to see. They want to see the younger people up on the stage. But at the same time, I find that they, they are not releasing them to to actually to make decisions that it's okay for them to participate but i think to be involved in making decisions or in leadership roles it's it's a bit more difficult and yet ian spoke didn't he about bring, raising up the next generation of leaders and if we're you know not doing that as a church that's we see that vast drop off of young people leaving because they have no they feel they have no place and i do yeah it's so important to to raise people up to yeah to give people opportunities to serve and we yeah as we went around our team recently talking about how we came into ministry, how we came into leadership. And for each of us as children, somebody took us aside and said, we see real gifting in you and gave us opportunities to serve. And for me, that is a sign of health in a church, that we're, we're looking for that, we're, we're expecting God to act and we're giving people opportunities to serve him. Yeah, but I, at the same time, I think there is a, a challenge for Chinese churches or for immigrant churches to to involve more people. I think there's a, a little bit of an identity issue here because Chinese churches, they see them as Chinese, Chinese churches. So even though they have English congregations, um, 
many of them are kind of quite reluctant to move towards multicultural. Um, that's that's been an interesting observation, and and that's been hard. And I find you know talking about church health is that it's actually kind of not so healthy when immigrant churches only focus on their own ethnicity um, because the next generation see themselves as Chinese Australians and when the church is so focused on only Chinese, they, they, they lose that sense of belonging and sense of purpose as well because they, uh, some of the second generation complain to us uh, when we were in the previous church is that my friends are not Chinese but I find it hard to bring them to our church because they would just look totally out of place. So, so that's some of the, I guess, challenges for, for immigrant churches, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Thank you. Um, if you guys could ask Ian a follow-up question, what would it be? I have two. Firstly, um, on behalf of leaders, pastors, you know, we want to if we want to encourage health and unity in our churches, um, we know that it's important for us to model it, um, to demonstrate that to our congregations. And as we talked about, that our churches often reflect our personalities, the, the, the strengths and the weaknesses, or the growth areas, as we like to call them. Um, but what else do we need to do to promote health in our churches? Is there anything else we can do? And the other question would be on behalf of... Uh, sitting as a congregation member, if we're starting to see some of these markers in our church of, of decline, of maintenance mode, what do we need? To, what can we do? Because <laughs> we don't want to just start, you know, firing off a million emails to our pastor or complaining and saying, you know, I see real unhealth here and, and be the dire warning person. But we also don't want to stand back and just let a church move from maintenance into decline. So what... What can we do? What, what's our role in that? Uh, I think to me, I also have two, two questions to ask Ian. I think if I have the opportunity, uh, the first one is to, to ask, how, how can we help uh, some of the, I guess, the first generation immigrant, the older uh, leadership to, to realise that good old days are, are kind of gone, <laughs> you know, how, how we had phenomenal growth, you know, in the 80s and 90s, um, and to help them realise that, you know, we have to be looking at a different strategy here. And the second question is pretty much related to what we talked about already, is what would a healthy church look like in a multicultural society? Uh, like Australia, um, which um, are we ready to to minister to all these second generation immigrants or greater generation immigrants? Um, yeah, so it's it's very. Uh, I've been you know reflecting on that. Um, you know, Australia is quite. There's two. Sto- there are two stories: the the white story and also the multicultural story, and uh, and I think churches. Uh, sort of reflect those two, two stories. So if you guys were going to suggest a next step for someone wanting to explore any of these topics that we've touched on, what would it be? I, I know you're both um, involved in different ways in church health consultancy and some things. Do you want to share a bit about what that is, but also maybe some other things that pop into your mind? Uh, so I'm 
one of the consultancy uh, team trainers. So I help train the church consultants. So I do firmly believe in church consultancy training. Um, and I think that yeah, it's just so beneficial. I wish I'd had it when I was leading a church. I wish I'd done it back then. Can, can you maybe share with us some of the things that you cover in that training? Yeah. We look at moving churches through transition. We look at conflict. We look at church governance. Um, I'm incredibly passionate about that, which makes me very tedious. But uh, it is really important and it, I'm going to preach now. It underpins everything we do in church. Well, I think it comes back to what you were talking about previously, Jenny, about uh, the leader being healthy is also reflected in the system, but what's the other things that we can do? Mm. And often it is the, the the pieces around governance and how all of these individuals come together that actually really affects the whole. So. Yeah, indeed. And I think church governance becomes more important when things go awry. Mm. And so we put it in place so that we're ready, you know, when, when we need it, but it's always helpful. Uh, but we look at all a whole range of areas of church life and even um, inviting people to share how they feel about things, encouraging yeah, feedback and all that kind of stuff. We look at pastoral reviews. We look at all, a whole range of areas of church life and particularly ones that can be tension points for churches. And we yeah, train up consultants who can go and... For many of them, they use these skills in their own churches, but for others, it's to use them in conducting a consultancy elsewhere. I sat in on a bunch of training a number of years ago and found it incredibly helpful for not only uh, the situations that I found myself in from a consulting perspective, but in my own leadership, uh, I found it really stretching and gave me not only a language and a framework, but really practical tools mm-hmm. around how to do visioning, how to help a church um, manage transition and change. And so uh, for me, it kind of was, was incredibly helpful, holistic training and, and very practical. And quite honestly, the best training I've ever done. And I don't just say that as a trainer. <laughs> but yeah, I found it incredibly beneficial. And just even in the work that I do now, I find it really helpful stuff. But yes, in terms of what I would recommend, uh, one of the things I wrote down was do consultancy training (laughs) because I think that is really beneficial for, you know, as many of our leaders and members in churches to do this training. Um, I think it's really important for churches to do the church health check, um, to sit down and and look at those markers and honestly and probably as as a group in your church to sit down with your church leadership and to do that together rather than as one person in isolation and work out honestly where you believe your church sits on that um, bell curve. And you don't have to be in a terrible place. It's kind of like preventative medicine, isn't it? It's like you you actually get the check done and you can keep tweaking things uh, Mm. along the way. It's like with your car. You don't wait till it breaks down. You keep servicing it uh, in order to maintain the longevity of the car. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And because, yes, you don't want to wait till you're plunging down that bell curve before you start thinking about this. And I think I would always recommend talking to a member of the church health team. They are experienced in this. They can offer advice and support and resources and, yeah, a really good place to go. That's great. Amy, how about you? 
Uh, well, I definitely agree with uh, Jenny. Um, but uh, in general, anything that would broaden our kingdom perspective um, and that would be really helpful. And one of the things that I find helpful is listening to other people's stories, listening to other churches' stories and, and to be reflecting on different people's stories and, and see what God is doing and um, what God is asking us us to be doing so basically yeah a lot a lot more um lots more listening and reflecting i think that would be helpful can i add one more listening thing onto that because i th- i think often when we think about church health we think about uh the just like with an individual you think about your own health but you actually exist in the context of a system so a church exists within the context of a neighborhood. I remember having some back issues a number of years ago and I went in to see the, the chiropractor and they asked about my uh, workstation, they asked about my diet, they asked about a whole bunch of different things in order to diagnose what was wrong with me because uh, and then, then when you, not only in the diagnosis but then in the treatment, you're actually treating an individual in the context of a system. So when we're talking about church health, we're talking about listening to the church, but we're also talking about listening to the broader neighborhood. Um, understanding uh, if you are in an urban context, uh, what what does that look like? Um, what does it mean to be on mission in this place if you're in a multicultural context? So I think that that's a really important... I, I love your suggestion, Amy, around listening and, and just would encourage people that part of uh, a healthy church is actually a church that is engaged, as Ian said, with their, with their neighborhood. Fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for joining this conversation and thank you for listening. Uh, You can join the conversation at the Forming Church Podcast Facebook group and follow us on Instagram.